0: Do not worry, for worry is wasteful and useless in times like these. So says Jewel, uh, I'm putting this on here like this, not because you navigated to the wrong YouTube channel, and this is where Kyle tries to make his secret underground debut, but because I'm not sure about the legality of actually putting Jewel on here, so you're stuck with me for the meantime. But Jewel says, do not worry, for worry is wasteful and useless in times like these. Now, she wasn't the first person to say that. Jesus said it before she said that. But that's what we're talking about today is worry. Now, when Jules said that, that was not in the year of the pandemic. So there could be an argument made that now is the time for worry. But what does the Bible say about worry? How do we anticipate, how do we go through this current season of our lives when we think about words? Last week, we talked about putting our money into the perspective of the apocalypse, putting our money into the perspective that if everything ended tomorrow and you had to ask yourself, was my money being spent wisely? Was I using that stuff well? How, how would we answer that? So the apocalypse gives us some of this kind of perspective. And worry is yet another thing which we are, we are given perspective on as Jesus moves through this thing. So last week he's talking to the crowd still about money and possessions and all of these things. This week, he turns from the crowd, and he turns to his disciples, and he wants to start talking to them about worry. So this morning, we're going to go over three different things that Jesus said, and then the fourth final takeaway about three things that worry is actually the sort of insidious thing that is killing us and is a lot worse for us than we realize that it is. And then the fourth thing is what we're going to do about it, right? Because if I tell you, don't worry about the stock market, the first thing you're going to do is go, wait, should I be worrying about the stock market? I had no idea. And all of a sudden we're worrying about the stock market. So what are we supposed to do? That's what we're going to look at this morning. We're in Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 22 down to 34. So this is, the, this is the first passage. It says this, then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear, For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? So that's our first Uh, takeaway from this is found in that very first verse. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what you'll eat, what you'll want. Do not worry. It's not a suggestion. Worry is one of those things that's probably actually the most acceptable Christian sin that we get away with and we allow other people to get away with and it just runs rampant through our church and through our body. And it's not okay. Jesus isn't saying, it's not a good idea to worry. You know, it's going to be kind of a waste of your time. It's not so great. Don't do it. He's saying, don't do it. Do not worry. He's commanding his disciples, do not worry. So we need to take this very seriously, a lot more seriously than we do take it. And we need to check worry. We need to say, you know what? This can't, this can't be a marker of my life. This can't be who I am as a person who's full of anxiety and worry and dread. Jesus is calling us out of that. So that's the first thing. It's very quick. It's not a suggestion. It's actually a command. And we need to to take this thing seriously. The second thing is this. Worry is wasteful. This is according to Jewel, but also according to Jesus. It doesn't actually get us anything that we want, right? He says, uh, look at the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. And yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds, and who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? All of this worrying amounts to absolutely nothing. It's a waste of time. But not only that, not only is worrying a waste of time, but we realize now that it's actually very counterproductive. And Jesus is saying the same thing, but science is affirming this years later, right? I was looking at a Cambridge study earlier this week and it said the same thing. It says anxiety disorders are significantly increased, uh, significantly increase your mortality risk. Like people are dying of stress and dread, right? You sit at home and you're you're laying in bed and your heart's pounding, and I'm familiar with this. I know what this is about. I've gone through the panic attack things, I've had my first kid and not known where I'm at in life and had to wade through all of this kind of stuff. But it's not okay, and not only is it wasteful and and not very productive, it's counterproductive. It's actually taking us farther away from our goal. We're not sitting in one spot, we're actually losing ground when we give in to worry. So that's the second thing. Worry is wasteful. The first thing is that we're commanded not to worry. It's not just a suggestion, it's a command. The second thing is it's wasteful and it's counterproductive. And the third thing is that it's robbing you. like when. When the the pickpocket distracts you with something over here and he goes, oh, look at this bright, shiny, flashy thing or bumps into you or whatever it is. But then he's robbing you blind because your eyes are off of your most valuable things. And all of a sudden, your most valuable things are being taken away from you. And this is true of worry as well. Worrying, we, we lose the most valuable things about life. We lose out on the good things of life when we give in to worry. We spend all of our focus, we get tunnel vision, right? And worry has a way of really consuming us. It can become debilitating and it can become death itself, really. Like I've I've been at places in my own life where I've just been in such despair that I couldn't think a, a single happy thought and I'm stressed about life and I'm stressed about school. And I'm stressed about all these things. And pretty soon we begin to real. it doesn't take too long to begin to realize why this significant increase in mortality rate exists around worry and anxiety. People don't want to live that kind of life because there's nothing of good value left inside of it. We've been robbed blind by worry. So these are, I just want to establish this fact that worry is bad and that we need to take it very seriously because it's a matter of life and death and because Jesus commands us to actually take it seriously. We already know that worry is not good. But in times like these, where we have this pandemic raging around us, we've got political unrest, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next month, and there's just this kind of constant state of dread of going, Well, I wonder what we should expect, and I wonder what's going to happen to the church, and I wonder what's going to happen to my faith, and I wonder what's going to happen to my family, and are we going to be able to see each other again? There's lots and lots of things to worry about. And we know that it's not good, but what are we going to do about it? And this is where Jesus comes in and he gives us a solution. All right, so this is is what he says. He says, the pagan world runs after all of these things. Don't worry, okay? Don't worry about your clothes, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Don't worry about these things. The pagan world worries about and runs after such things. And your father knows that you need them. Now let's just pause there really fast. If we realized that God knew that we needed these things, would we worry about them? The implication that God knows that you need them is that he's also able to provide for these things and he cares to and he wants to and that we can actually trust him. So he says, don't worry about all these things. The pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need these things and he's going to provide them for you. And then in verse 31, but... Instead of worrying, seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. This is the cure that Jesus is giving us. That's it, did you catch it? Instead of focusing on these things, if I tell you don't worry about, uh, about the stock market right now, honestly, you're gonna start worrying about the stock market. If I tell you don't think and don't put an image in your head of purple polka dotted elephants, an image immediately comes into your head of purple polka dotted elephants. So telling you not to worry counterproductive. It doesn't actually work because it just makes us worry more. And this is that cycle of worry that we get into when we're laying in bed and we're going, I shouldn't be thinking about these things. It's okay. I can just turn it off. I don't have to get stressed out about it. Rather, instead of saying, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, Jesus is saying, move your eyes onto something else. Obsess over something else. Focus on something better, something else. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be given to you as well. So Jesus is saying, if we make the biggest thing the biggest thing, and these smaller things, if we put them down the list, because he's not saying, you, you know, if everybody that follows Jesus doesn't think at all about food and doesn't think at all about clothing, we're all what? We're all going to be running around naked and hungry. Like that's not the suggestion. The suggestion is we can't care about them to the exclusion of these bigger things. We need to trust that God is able to provide for our needs, that he cares about our well-being and that he cares about us and loves us and will provide for us and will make sure that we're taken care of. But we, if we spend all of our time focused on that, we're never going to be able to live the life that God created us to live. And Jesus is saying, instead, you can cast all your cares on him. The first Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares on God for he cares for you. All right. We can afford to give God all of our cares, all of these little things, so that we can actually start caring about the kingdom, so that we can seek the kingdom first. We have to change our focus. If we want to be cured of our worry, we have to stop obsessing about it, evaluating all and just like only thinking about that. And instead, we need to become, we need to become seeking the kingdom. We need to seek the kingdom of God. So, to summarize, worry is sinful, and we need, to, we need to recognize it as a sin, right? We can't keep treating it like this cute little thing that our grandmothers did over their grandchildren or their children. It's not, it's not cute and fun and nice. Worry is destructive, and it's, it's killing us. I'll just use this example, right? So, there's a thousand ways that we worry, but. Right now, with the, the way that the world is, and I've heard this from a few other people too, we, us parents, tend to worry about things that parents have worried about for probably for forever. And we go, well, it's tough raising our kids in this world. What, what are we doing? Like, are, are we able to actually trust them to this world? This world's crazy. It's going, it's going crazy right now, and it feels a little bit scary and worrisome to be thinking about raising our children in the middle of this chaos and tumult, of course, this is normal to our children, just like the world that we grew up in was normal to us, but our parents were like, oh man, they're not gonna be able to handle this, mostly because their parents couldn't handle it, right? <laughs> or they felt stressed about it. But if we worry about that, what's the fruit of the worry, right? What are we? How are we going to behave if we're very stressed about the world and all these things and we go, oh, I don't know if my kids are going to be okay in this situation and what's going to happen. All of a sudden we become really overbearing. We start to become controlling of them. We shelter them and try and keep them away from any kind of negative experience or we don't put them into challenging situations because we're afraid they're going to get broken and messed up and what's the fruit of that? Then the kids begin to see this and they're going to realize before too long, right? That their parents don't really think that they can make it in the world, right? and they're gonna to start to believe that about themselves. And all of a sudden, all of these things start falling apart and we begin to create this monster. We, we feed this monster that, that we were worried about in the first place. Worry is not just, was not just a, a bad, neutral thing. It's counterproductive. It actually is destructive and it, and it brings death into all of these circumstances, right? When we worry like this, it, it doesn't help anything alternatively, if we were to seek first the kingdom of God and go, you know what, this world is going to be challenging and it's going to be full of a lot of complicated and complex decisions that our children need to make, and they're going to have to wade through a lot of really difficult things. What does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? It means that we begin to love them and care for them and and treat them in the way that God has treated us, but we also encourage them to listen to God encourage them to read the Bible, to have a prayer life, and to become obedient to God's call on their lives, so that when God says, do this, our children learn to obey and do it. That they they go, how how God do you want me to respond? If our kids can begin to seek first the kingdom of God, then all of a sudden we don't have to worry about all of these things. We go, you know what, if they're worried about the kingdom of God first, if that's their primary concern of how they can please God in the world, they're probably going to make it. Yeah, they're going to get bumps and scrapes and cuts and scars and wounds, but it's not going to, it's not going to break them or destroy them. And we have a lot of confidence in that. And that's the fruit of being able to do that, right? So when we seek the kingdom of God, good fruit comes of that, right? And so I keep using this word fruit because I want to mention Galatians 5.22 and the fruit of the spirit, which is what it looks like to be full of God's spirit, to be seeking the kingdom of God and to have it flourishing inside of our own lives, right? We become full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These these are the fruits of the Spirit. And this is what marks a person who are led by the Spirit, who are seeking the kingdom of God. And so as we have all of these difficult decisions to make, right, because... As Christians, we're trying to wade through a fairly complicated time, trying to figure out how to respond to our current time. And there's a lot of worry and anxiety that's going into that. Now, listen, I'm not trying to say this is how we should act and this is how we should behave and this is how you should think. But what I am saying is the Bible is encouraging us to be a certain kind of person. Right? There isn't a chapter and verse in here where we go, all right, let's see about the pandemic in 2020 and 2021 and continues. We can't turn to that page of the Bible and find specific directions for how we should respond and what we should do exactly. More so, the Bible is concerned about the kind of people that we are, about the kind of fruit that we produce and, and the, kind of, the kind of person we bring into the world, which is one who is non-anxious, right? We are not to be full of worry and dread. Because God takes care of these things, and that should be shown to the people around us. That should be evident and clear that we have confidence in God to care for our our deep and and kind of scary needs. And so the fruit of the Spirit of of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, if these things are controlling us, then we get to make those decisions. And so long as we're we're making sure that these fruits are evident in all of our decision-making, but that's the person we're bringing into those choices. Whatever it is, that the people on the outside would look in and go, look at the love, the joy, the peace, the, the gentleness that they go about their lives with. They're not stressed out about this stuff. They have a, a confidence in God. That should be very evident. And not to the exclusion of any of these other attributes that God is calling us into. This is our, this is our opportunity in the midst of adversity and at the, you know, when we're thinking apocalyptically, right? Which is this going, man, if if tomorrow is the end, did I worry about the right kind of thing? God has called us to love our neighbor and to love God, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. This is our primary thing that we are responsible for doing, right? And our lives should be marked by the fruit of the spirit. And, and right now is the time to, evidence all of that. We can't put that thing on pause and then and then go respond on social media with all of our rants and raves and anger and maliciousness and insecurity. Rather we should have the confidence in the Lord. We should be people of prayer and we should be people full of the Holy Spirit and say whatever I'm going to do my my first aim is going to be able to love other people. If this is the end of the world Man, we, we need to be loving people into relationship with the Lord. We need to be bringing people into this thing. Not not getting angry and proving points and sharpening our sticks and trying to cause division and all of this other kind of stuff. So I know that you know Christians around and, and people watching this video are going to have different opinions. I, I, I'm curious what you think about it. Feel free to throw it into the comments if you want to. How, how do we respond to this thing? What does it look like? What opportunities have you had to be able to respond to the pandemic in this kind of way? And, and what worries has it created? And how, is God, how are you walking with God through some of those worries? So this is your homework. Take an inventory of those things that keep you up at night. You know what they are. You've spent enough time thinking about them while you're trying to fall asleep and you're losing sleep over them, right? These things that are killing you. Take an inventory of those things and say, Lord, what would it look like For if I were to seek first your kingdom in this area, because if you're worried about it, there's a high probability that you are not seeking the kingdom of God first in that particular area. You're not going, Lord, I just want you only in this thing. That's all I care about. So take an inventory of those things and begin to give over those cares and concerns, right? Like 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. Doesn't mean for you to be able to give that care and concern over to him and to surrender yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to be able to say, You're my Lord, and I'm just gonna follow you and do what you asked me to do and respond in humble obedience to you. So, like I say, we're gonna there's going to be a difference of opinion and how we ought to respond, and whether we should open up church and be disobedient to the government or not, or what we should do, and all of these things. And you know what? That's That's okay to have a difference of opinion. I have a feeling that there's there's the potential for division in all of this, and this is what we really need to avoid. Right? The, The devil doesn't care what it is that we divide over. He just cares that we're divided. And this is what we can't afford to do, is we can't afford to be divided. We can't afford to allow our worries and our anxieties to drive us apart, but instead to trust each other to be able to respond to what the Lord is calling us into, and to be able to seek the kingdom of God first and foremost in all of our decisions. And all of these things will be added to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can trust you. And we thank you that you care for these concerns more than we do. That you haven't left it to us to be stressed out about all of these things. And anxious, but that you are in sovereign control over all of this. God, may our lives reflect our confidence in you to be present in our lives. Full of your Holy Spirit, Lord, would you send us out into all of these areas that we may represent your love, your joy, your peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control in all of these areas. And that as people see us responding and making decisions, that these things would be at the forefront. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, if this was helpful to you, I would ask you to please like and subscribe. I know I don't do that normally, but I'm trying to learn about YouTube things, and they say I should do that. And if you do, it's actually probably going to help get this message to other people. So feel free to share it around. If you found it helpful, uh, you know, hit the like button and do the thing. Um, And then we'll see you back here next week for our, our last sermon on this Apocalypse series. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday.